0: Now, if you have been with us the last few weeks, we have been in a series we're calling 30 Words, and uh, this is our effort to really um, affirm together what we believe the gospel is all about, how we can know it ourselves so that we really know when we talk about the gospel what we're talking about, so how we can live it out fully in our lives, and maybe most importantly, how we can give it away, how we can be equipped to communicate our faith to other people who may not understand what we believe or uh, or why we believe it, so we've given you these thirty words as a, as a tool to memorize. Last week we gave out a little keychain that had some icons on it. Some of you may have those, uh, but we want to do a, a test, an update, see how we're doing. I know it's a uh, holiday weekend, right? So that seems unfair, but uh, but I believe some of you are going to get this right. We're going to see if we can fill in. Uh, part of the 30 words. We've been going phrase by phrase each week. Uh, If you're a guest with us today, um, you're excused. But if you've been here the last couple weeks, you are on the line for this today, all right? Don't let me down. Don't let me down. Here we go. Let's see if we can remember the 30 words, all right? It starts with Jesus. That's the first word, all right? Jesus. Remember, we got the ground of the gospel first, and then four gifts of the gospel and then the goal of the gospel is last. Let's see if we can remember it together. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. Now let's try it all. Now that's all up there, let's all say it together again with a lot more confidence and conviction. Are you ready? Let's try again. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. 30 words that if you will commit them to memory, it will help you understand and know how to better communicate what we believe as Christians and and what we we believe the message, basic message of the gospel is. Now, if you're like me, you can be involved in conversations with individuals and if you talk about spirituality, one of the things people will say is, well, I'm spiritual but I'm really not religious. I don't like religion. Well, you've got good news to share with them uh, because we worship a savior who actually came to shut down religion. Now, for some of you, this is a shocking thought and idea. Because you would consider yourself a religious person. And so today we're gonna talk through this idea, and it's a big, big idea. The word religion itself comes from the Latin word religere, and that's two parts, re meaning again or to repeat, and legere, meaning to tie or to bind. And so what this means, the positive idea behind this, is the idea that we fasten ourselves to something important. Like the hymn we just sang earlier, it, we prayed in that in that hymn we sang, to bind my wandering heart to thee. That's the positive idea of religion, that we are bound to something. But here's what's interesting. If you read through the Gospels and all the words of Jesus, Jesus never, not one time, uses the word religion. Instead, he called people into a relationship. He called people to faith, but he never called people to be religious. In fact, Jesus' earliest followers never assumed that they were following somebody who had come to start a new religion. The reason they were following Jesus is because they were tired of religion and they were looking for a relationship with God and Jesus came to show them how they could have that relationship. The earliest church leaders did not assume they were setting up a new world religion. In fact, they believed that Jesus had come to end all religions, that religion religion is our way of getting to God. It's man's effort to try to get to God. The gospel is something entirely different from that. The gospel teaches that in fact God came to us, took on flesh and came and dwelled among us. And so Jesus came to shut down all religion. And so this is what we're going to talk about today. This is our idea. Now here's what I think is true for, for us. The, the word religion I think literally means, if you translate it, it literally means, it means a return to bondage. A return to bondage. And Jesus came to set us free, as Mary read from us, for us from Galatians 3 and chapter 4. See, the human tendency, though, is we gravitate towards religion, we gravitate towards bondage of all kinds. The, the thing about religion is that religion is something we can predict, religion is something we can control and so we find ourselves migrating over into religious categories away from the freedom that Jesus came to bring us. Some of you may know if you've been involved at Southside for a while, you know, uh, we were part of starting City Church in 2015 and As City Church has grown and uh, begun to reach people here in San Marco, they outgrew their facilities and moved into uh, one of the local schools. And um, in the course of the last year, about a year ago, uh, there was a group, uh, a national group called the Freedom From Religion Group that actually filed a lawsuit because they thought that the fact that a church was renting a school was a violation of the separation of church and state. That this group calling themselves Freedom From Religion was seeking to uh, sort of reinforce this idea of the separation of church and state? Well, I, I thought about it a lot over the last few weeks, in particular, as I prepared for this message. And, you know, really, we have something in common with the freedom from religion group. Because if you follow the gospel, the gospel is freedom from religion, it is freedom from bondage. It's freedom from the belief that we have to somehow work and earn our way into God's presence. Instead, it's accepting what Christ has done for us, coming to set us free and draw us back closer to God. And so what I want to do this morning is, uh, is, is, is go through a card. It's inside your bulletin this morning, and it, uh, it's going to be, and a look at the entire Bible. If you're somebody who loves when we give a lot of scripture, you're going to love today, Because we are going to cover the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation. So I don't know what your lunch plans are, but... (laughs) The Episcopalian priest Robert Farrar Kappen said this, There was no religion in Eden, and there won't be any in heaven. And in the meantime, Jesus has died and risen to persuade us to knock it off now. I love that quote. Jesus came to shut down religion. Now, if you've got this card, uh, on the back side is the 30 words, so you might have been cheating earlier when we were doing it. That's okay if you did. It's all about grace here at church. But the other side is a chart that I want to draw your attention to. I'm going to kind of move through this chart kind of quickly uh, you can look at these scriptures on your own later. You can join us in small group this week. Uh, the small groups will be talking about uh, this chart, and you can join us on Wednesday night at 6:30 for our midweek service, and we'll try to get into it a little more. But let me give you just a quick shot, a quick overview of this chart, and then we're gonna talk about what it means a little more thoroughly. So, first let's start on the top on the top row of what? What are we talking about when we say that Jesus came to shut down religion? Well, first of all, we're talking about in the garden, in the creation there was a perfect relationship between God and man Genesis 1 and 2 you see this beautiful creation God said it was good it was good it was good he created man he said it was very good it looks as if in that in that time God walked with man in the cool of the evening there was this beautiful relationship between God and people between among people Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship it was this perfect relationship but we know that came crashing down in Revelation 2 sin entered the picture And suddenly our relationship with God was shattered. And as a way to make our way back to God, religion is instituted. And you can find throughout the Old Testament all the ways, all the laws, all the things that God gave to us as a way to bind our wandering heart to him. Listen to what he says in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22 and 26. Listen to this. Keep all my decrees and laws and follow them. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. Now let me just ask you, not through your whole life, but this week, how many of you have been holy all week long? Yeah. I mean, we got a problem right away, don't we? If the rule of religion is that we keep all of God's decrees, we keep all of God's laws, and that we are holy as he is holy, we all have a serious problem. It didn't take the children of Israel long to figure this out. And the prophet Isaiah said this, Isaiah 29, 13, he's quoting what the Lord said to him. He said, the Lord said, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules they have been taught. That is religion, human rules that we've been taught. And God said, I was never after that. I was never after just the fact you would come to me and say the right things with your mouths and that you would honor me with your lips and that you would follow all the human rules that you've been taught. I was always after your heart. And you can go through religious motions and never give God your heart. In fact, there are some people, some people who go to church every week and they are hiding from God in the middle of their religious activity. Maybe even some of us here today. Jeremiah 31 33 he Jeremiah gave a promise though that religion would not be the end he said yes they had the law written on tablets of stone the 10 commandments on stone but there's going to come a time when I'm going to write my word on their heart in their flesh you see we went from having a perfect relationship and we tried to replace it with religion and here's the big difference between religion and faith religion works from the outside in it's about what we do you know, do we stand and sing at the right time? Do we take communion the right number of times? Do we, do, do we follow all the rules? It's, it's, it's manipulating our behavior in such a way and hoping that as we manipulate our behavior, it, it, it works its way inside and it begins to change our heart. Religion works from the outside in. Faith, however, works from the inside out. Faith said it's what I believe in my heart, and as I believe it in my heart and as I seek after the Lord, my attitude begins to change. My actions begin to change. I begin to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And we moved from a relationship with God and we traded that in for religion. But the good news is that Jesus came to bring about reconciliation. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17-19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Colossians 1.20 says, he reconciled us by shedding his blood on the cross that Jesus Christ came to reconcile us with God. What religion couldn't do Jesus did in his reconciliation. See, earlier when I asked, how many of you have been holy all week? Nobody raised your hand. The reality is, for those of you who are in Christ, you have been holy this week. You've been holy not because you've done everything right, but because if, as you are in Christ, his holiness, his righteousness becomes yours. Isn't that good news? That is good news, that Jesus came to reconcile us to God. And finally, what you see under the uh, at the end of the what row is reunion the promise of reunion that we move from a relationship sin brought about our broken relationship with God religion was our effort to try to get back to God and then uh, Jesus came to reconcile us to God and what we see in Revelation 21 and 22 is a reunion where once again we are restored in God's presence listen to what it says Revelation 21 3 and 4 behold the dwelling place of God is with man remember that's how it was in the beginning in Genesis 1 and 2 He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And one of those former things is religion. That Jesus came to restore our relationship with God. Religion was powerless to do it. So where did this happen? Look at, Let's look at that row together. You see in the, in the beginning in Genesis 1 and 2, it took place in a garden, right? That, that God and man were together in a garden. There was nothing in between them. After the fall, after sin entered the picture, you immediately see man entering into these building projects as an effort to get together with God. First, the Tower of Babel. That story, remember it from Sunday school, that the people were trying to build a tower to get their way to heaven, but it quickly moved from a tower to a tabernacle that the Israelites carried around with them in the, de- the desert to a temple that was built. And then down through the ages, we built cathedrals and church buildings. And all of this was an effort to find a place, some place where we could meet with God in his presence. But listen to what Solomon said when he dedicated the temple, one of the seven wonders of the world. This is what Solomon said about the temple first kings 8:27 and following but will god indeed dwell on earth behold heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you how much less this house that i have built yet yet have you have regarded the prayer of your servant and to his plea o lord my god listen to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house the place of which you were said you have said my name shall be there that you may listen to the prayer and that your servant offers towards this place and listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray for, for, forward, uh, pray toward this place and listen in heaven and, the, and the, in your dwelling place and when you hear, forgive. See, Solomon knew when he built the temple. Solomon just knew. He said, all of heaven can't contain you, God. How are we thinking that this somehow this building is gonna contain you? But do you know what we do? We prefer religion because we can keep God safely tucked away in a specific location and we can go visit him there on our terms when we're ready. That's what religion is all about. So I come to church and I dress a certain way and I act a certain way and I talk a certain way and I preserve my best behavior for when I'm at church because after all, this is God's house, right? And yet the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Where do you think you're gonna go that you're gonna flee from his presence and hide from him? There is no building that can contain him. You see, we moved from a garden and then we tried to contain God inside of a building. Jesus, standing in front of the temple one time in John chapter two, talking about the temple, he said, you know what, you tear this down and three days later, I'll build it back. But Jesus wasn't talking about the building. He was talking about himself. In fact, if you go on and you read in Revelation chapter 21 verse 22, you find out in heaven there is no temple. Isn't that interesting? All the effort that we have made over the centuries and the millennia to try to build cathedrals and temples and you get to heaven and guess what's missing? There is no temple. Because it says that God and the lamb themselves are the temple. That our dwelling place is in him. We don't build a dwelling place for him. He is our dwelling place. And then ultimately what we find is that we ourselves become the temple. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6:19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You see religion says we keep God in the box. But reunion says we become the temple. We become the dwelling place of God. Not just me personally on my own, but us collectively. That you, Southside Baptist Church, members of Southside Baptist Church, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're where God makes his presence known in the earth today. Let's look one more, one more row down. How? How? In Genesis, there was no sacrificial system. Man was given dominion over all the beasts of the, of the earth, uh, and there was no sacrifice necessary because God and man lived together in perfect union. But because of sin and the introduction of religion, animal sacrifices were introduced. And so man was constantly offering sacrifices of animals on the altar as a way to seek to appease God or seek to offer some sort of sacrifice on their own behalf for their sins. But listen to what God said. Amos chapter 5 verse 21. I hate I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to you, the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. You see, God was tired of our religion long before Jesus ever even showed up. Because you come and you think, I can just live any way I want, and I come to the temple and I make my sacrifice and then everything's gonna be all right. I've paid my debt to God. The problem is you can never pay the debt you owe to God. There would not be enough sacrifices. There were not enough animals. And so what God did is that Jesus came to dwell among us and he showed us God's love, God's love by himself being coming the divine sacrifice. We went from sacrificing animals to seeing God himself offered up as the sacrifice. Look what it says in 1 Peter two twenty two, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus is the sacrifice once and for all the divine sacrifice. And then we go from having to offer animal sacrifices to becoming living sacrifices ourselves. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 12:1. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. You see, you sitting here today, you are called to be a living sacrifice in everything you do, Wherever you go, at work, at school, in the words you say, in the way you spend your money, in the things you watch, in everything you do, you are to be a living sacrifice. Every breath, every minute is to be offered up to God and say, God, here I am. Send me. Here I am, God, use me. I am your living sacrifice. And finally, let's look at the last row, who. You see, in the beginning, in creation, God and man... Lived together in perfect communion. There was no intermediary. There was no, uh, there, there was no intercessor because God and man communicated with each other directly. But as a result of religion, the priesthood was introduced. You can read all about Numbers 18, all the rules and regulation for the priesthood, and the way that a priest was to be uh, a representative of God to man and of man back to God. He was the go between. The priest was to fulfill this function and this purpose. But then, Jesus, God with us, came to show us God's love, to save us from sin, to set up God's kingdom, and to shut down religion. He himself became the only mediator. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. You see, some of you might be from Catholic backgrounds or other backgrounds where you call people who do what I do, priests. Let me assure you, I am not a priest. A a priest is one who acts as an intermediary between you and God. You don't need me to act as your intermediary because there is one intermediary and his name is Jesus and he is our intermediary. That, That we are all, we all have equal access to God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. In fact, the Bible says that we are now, all of us who are in Christ, are a priesthood of believers. 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5. As you came to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, earlier I asked if you were holy and nobody raised their hand. And now I'm going to ask, how many of you are priests? Come on, raise your hand, right? Raise your hand. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that's what Peter said. That's not my idea, that's the Bible's idea. That Jesus becomes our one intermediary between God and man. All right, the whole Bible on an index card. Now, I know I went through that really fast. But, but do you get the idea, the enormity of this idea How how this is pervasive through the entire Bible from beginning to end? How, How this idea that Jesus came not to institute a new religion, but to shut down all religion is the core message of what we believe about the gospel. That he came to give us a relationship with God. He didn't come to make you More religious. So let me talk about for just a few minutes about what this means for us. What does this matter? Why why should we even think about this or or talk about this today? The first thing is this: that the gospel doesn't make us religion religious, it frees us for a relationship. Everything that Mary read to us earlier from Galatians chapter 3 and 4 is about this. Paul said in that passage that the law was our guardian. Another way to translate that is that the law was our nanny. You can think about the law as being religion because in the Hebrew mind, that's really what the law was. The the law wasn't like our statutes that are on the books in downtown Jacksonville. the, The law for them was the word of God, the way of life to have a relationship with him. It was the way to him through these regulations. And what Paul is saying is that the religion, the religion that was given to us through the law, that was a nanny. It was a guardian. It was a custodian. But what happens as you get older? You don't need a nanny anymore. You don't need a guardian anymore. It, it would be as if, uh, as, as if when maybe you were younger, or, or maybe you'd injured yourself at some point and you had to wear a, some kind of brace on your knee or your leg, and you wore the brace while your leg was healing, being restored. But and, and that brace was meant to help you walk. It was meant to help you be mobile. But what would happen after the leg was healed if you kept wearing the brace? It would become something that would slow you down. It would become something that would bind you, that would hold you back. And what Paul is saying in Galatians 3 and 4 is that's what the law was. It was our nanny. It was our guardian. It was necessary for a season. But just like you outgrow a nanny, just like you heal past a brace that you might wear on your leg, so we have been set free from the law because of what Christ has done for us. He uses another, another illustration. He talks about a child of a king, and how the child who will eventually, himself or herself, become the, the, the ruling agent in the land, they are subject themselves to a nanny into servants. Think about that. The, the, the prince or princess is subject to, to the people that the king and queen put in charge of them, but there will come a time when they will be recognized as the son and the daughter of the king, and they will assume their rightful place as heirs. That's what Paul's saying in Galatians 3 and 4, that that we have been set free in Jesus Christ. In the fullness of time, it says, God brought forth his son, born of a woman, born where? Under the law, under the law of religion, to do what? To redeem those of us who were under religion that we might be set free by him. So the question is, Why do we keep doing this, right? I mean, come on. Why do we show up at church? I mean, some of you could hear me today and say, well, this is it. My Sunday's just got a lot freer. I'm going to go experience God on the golf course or on the river. Some of you do that anyway. That's okay. He knows where you are. (laughs) So why do we... Why do we do this? Why do we as Christians, if Jesus didn't come to establish a new religion, why do we continue to meet and go through activities that the rest of the world would look at as religious? Let me read you a quote from Bruxy Cavy. Here's what he said, Christians are those peculiar people who gather together every Sunday morning to celebrate the fact that we don't have to gather together every Sunday morning to be saved. We read the Bible regularly to be reminded of the good news that we don't have to read the Bible regularly to be right with God. We sing songs of worship to express our adoration for the one who has said that we don't have to sing or pray or meditate or participate in any liturgy in, in order to be in God's, on God's good side. Grace frees us up to celebrate God's love because we are done trying to earn it. That, my friends, is the good news. And we as Christians have to stop trying to make people religious and tell them the good news that Jesus came to free them from religion and to give them a relationship with God. That's the message of the gospel. And that leads me to the second thing, the second reason this matters. The gospel is not about what you do, but about what he has done. You see, religion is about what you do, The gospel is about what God has already done. Listen to what it says in Titus 3. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. You see, here's, here's what you need to know. If you think that your religious activity is somehow going to make you right with God, you are dis- you're going to be greatly disappointed because your religious activity is not what will make you right with God. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Religious people don't go to heaven. People who are in relationship with God through Jesus Christ go to heaven. And so it is not about what we do, but it is about what he has done. And finally, Southside, this is a message for us especially. The church is not a religious institution, but a movement of disciples. What we do here on Sundays, what happens throughout the week, what takes place in this building and outside of this building is not about establishing a religious institution, it is about being a part of a movement, a global movement of disciples who are following after Jesus, joining him as we usher his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, as we seek to accomplish his will. You know, when you read the Gospels, you will find that Jesus never, not one time, called his followers Christians. He never used the word religion. He never called his, called his followers Christians. Instead, he called his followers disciples, those who follow Their teacher. That's what we're called to be. In Southside, we're not called to follow Jesus in order to make other people become Baptist or, or even worse, to make them religious. No. We're introducing them to Jesus and inviting them to follow him, to become his disciples, to be freed from the bondage of religion. That's why Jesus came. And if we try to make them religious, all we're doing is putting a burden on them that Jesus never meant for us to bear. That we might be freed from the bondage of the law. Freed to walk in a relationship with him. And So this morning as we bring our series, uh, this part of our series to a close, we have one more week that we'll talk about this in a a couple weeks. But as we just come to this conclusion of this part, I just want to Just invite you for just a minute to take out your communication card. We're not going to do any kind of an altar call this morning, but I just want you to take out your communication card this morning as we prepare to take up our offering in just a few minutes. I want you to think about something with me. Are you are you banking on your religious activity to get you to heaven? Or this morning, are you confident in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are, are you hoping that all your religious activity and your religious resume and all the things you've done will somehow give you peace with God? Or are you trusting in what Jesus has done for you on the cross as he reconciled you with God, as he did what religion could never do? For others of you, have you been trying to talk to your son your daughter, your granddaughter, your niece, your nephew, your friend, your coworker, your parents. Have you been trying to talk to them and maybe what you don't realize is that you were trying to convince them to be religious instead of inviting them into a relationship? Maybe the very fact that they're trying to resist religion has been a barrier between the two of you and maybe you can go back to them now and say, you know what, you're right. Jesus came to bring us freedom from religion. He came to shut it down. Let me tell you how. Maybe for some of you, you need to go back and have that relationship because you'd look back over the course of your life and you realize you haven't been sharing the good news of the gospel. You've been trying to put people under the yoke of religion and bondage. I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads with me for a minute as we reflect on this and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Maybe you'd respond on your communication card today. Maybe you just want to talk with somebody sometime this week. You can mark that on the communication card as well and we'll follow up with you this week. Father, we come to you this morning, and as we just look at the scope of this idea, the movement from relationship to religion, to the gospel as presented by Jesus and the reconciliation he offers offers us, to our reunion with you, God, I, I would just pray that all of us who are here today might take a step closer to you. Father, that we might step away from religion and towards the relationship with Jesus. Father, for those who might be here today who who didn't even want to come because something inside of them just resists the idea of religious institutions, Lord, today I pray that they heard the words of the hope of the gospel and they're not confused by meeting times and buildings and other things that help us organize ourselves, but but knowing that, Lord, what we're offering here isn't religion, but it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, for those of us who have forgotten, and Lord, we honor you with our mouths and come near you with our lips, but our hearts are far from you. Lord, would you wake us up and turn our hearts back to you, that we might, that we might Give up the bondage of religion and walk in the fullness of a relationship with Jesus. And Father, help us all to communicate that good news to a world that is suspicious of religion but is seeking desperately a relationship with you. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.